Hey everybody, Casey Hendrickson here. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. You know, today's show took an interesting twist. I wasn't planning on this, but I ran into an article that is making the point that maybe the United States is a banana republic. And I know that you're probably scoffing at that initially, but the entire show ended up being examples of how we might actually be descending at least into a banana republic. It's one of those rare times where the entire show kind of has one theme, and I think you might find some of the arguments pretty compelling. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Make sure to leave Leave a comment and a review where you're listening to this podcast. Subscribe to my Rumble channel. We live stream the radio show every single day on Rumble. That's rumble.com slash Casey the host. Follow me on Truth Social and Telegram at Casey the host and my all new website, btmedia.news. You get conservative news headlines from the best sources around the internet, the daily show prep, the podcast, the live stream and so much more at btmedia.news. And for those of you who are waiting for updates, you can still pre-order your AR-15 rosary right now at fullautorosary.com. It is currently August 29th, and I am told that we will start injection molding on the 30th tomorrow. And as soon as I have more pictures, I'll be uploading them to fullautorosary.com so you can take a look at it. But until then, thank you for the support and enjoy the show. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, You might have noticed that it's kind of stormy outside. That always brings out my allergies, and I'm fresh out of allergy medicine. So I'm just letting you know, I'm a little stuffy today. I'm probably going to sneeze on you a bunch of times, and I'm going to be sniffing throughout the entire show. And you're just going to have to deal with it. So there's not much I can do about it. Ran out of uh, my meds yesterday. Thought I had an extra day, but I didn't, so I apologize. Well, we just uh, got the word the the thunderstorm watch has been upgraded to a warning. Uh, if you look at the radar, the radar is basically a giant wall of red bleep you, and it's heading towards the entire listening area. So we're all about to get hosed pretty darn quick. It's not going to be a good time. Just letting you know that it's it's coming. If you heard the emergency alert, they're basically saying if you got a mobile home, hold on for dear life. Uh, if you have a roof, good chance it might get damaged and just, you know, do what you can to stay inside, stay safe, that sort of stuff. So if you got anything in the yard that might need to be covered up or secured, this is the opportunity to go do that before it gets too late. We don't need trampolines and bounce houses and things like that flying through the neighborhood and causing more damage. Uh, but this is pretty much the entire listening area. Marshall, Stark, Fulton, Pulaski, Laporte, St. Joseph, they're all under a warning right now. Um, if you look at the radar, though, again, it's it's a wall of red, like a very thin wall of red, and then it's just a lot of green behind it, and it's moving moving east as it always does. Obviously, you know that. So just letting you know, it's the red strip looks thin, so I'm hoping maybe the nasty stuff is over with fairly quickly, but I'm not a meteorologist. I'm just smarter than most of them. Also, I stayed at a Holiday Inn. You have to crack that joke. You have to crack that joke forever. Yeah, I ran into somebody the other day who didn't know what that meant. True story. True story. I'm like, I, I don't even know why I'm talking to you. Like, you're you're wasting my space. Just leave. So, batten down the hatches. Hang on for the uh, for the warning. And we just had the EAS come through on on uh, the station, and they just issued the warning. The text alert just went out for MNC people. If you do not get our text alerts, you have two options. You can text the word news. To four five three six four, and we'll send you breaking news. Okay, we don't spam you. It'll just be breaking news. If you just want weather alerts, then you text the word weather to four five three six four, and we'll prompt you on which you know zip codes and things like that you actually want the weather for, 
uh, because you can get more than one location since obviously most of us travel around quite a bit in this area uh, from zip code to zip code. So you can get all of that stuff kind of customized. Okay. And all you have to do is just text the word news or text the word weather. Do it separately, please, to 45364. And we'll keep you updated on all of that stuff. And you'll just get all those alerts and everything coming right to your phone. Then you don't have to worry about hopping online or worrying about hearing the signal on the radio or, or you know, going to the television, anything like that. It's just right there on your phone. Plus, you'll get them all throughout the night and everything, too. All right. We got to get uh, a lot of FBI stuff today. And there's a couple of stories that kind of went under the radar here recently that we have to go through. We've got to give you the updates on some of the other stuff that's happening with uh, Mar-a-Lago. The FBI is, well, they're not doing themselves any favors every time they issue a statement. They're continuing to cause problems for themselves. The courts are leaning towards appointing a special master. That appears to be the direction that they're heading. Um, although the FBI has tried to make the claim that um, some of the documents that they took, that it wasn't that many of them that were attorney-client privilege, but they admitted that they took attorney-client privilege documents that they were not supposed to take. But further than that, the FBI also admitted that they formed a team specifically to look for those documents when they raided Mar-a-Lago and to separate them out. (laughs) Uh, So it's, like I said, they're not doing themselves any favors. So let's start off with uh, Team Trump. Okay, Team Trump, this is redstate.com. Team Trump points out how the affidavit raises more questions than answers. This is one of the things that I mentioned last week when the affidavit was released. I was like, this is actually going to raise way more questions here. And they did exactly what I told you they're going to do. They're going to redact almost the entire thing. That's exactly what happened. Uh, so this is what they they said in their court filing on Friday, asking for the special master. This is the the team Trump reasoning here. The redacted affidavit underscores why this motion should be granted, as it provides almost no information that would allow uh, Movan to understand why the raid took place or what was taken from his home. Uh, let's see, approximately 20 pages of the 34-page document were either significantly or fully redacted. 24 pages had at least some information blacked out. The few lines that are unredacted raise more questions than answers. For instance, paragraph 3 states, in pertinent part, as one of the bases for probable cause that there are presidential records subject to record retention requirements currently remaining at the premises... Now, that's, again, this is what Team Trump was saying in court on Friday, asking for the special master. If you don't know special master is, once again, that is a neutral third party to review the documents, okay? So that way the DOJ and the Trump team can't review them. A neutral third party will look through them. That is what this is supposed to be about. Okay. Um, team, Team Trump's legal team also noted that the Presidential Records Act does not provide for criminal remedy, which means you can't say that the Presidential Records Act is a motivating factor for going in here with a criminal warrant because it's not a criminally enforceable statute. Trump's legal team continued, this provides the deeply troubling prospect that President President Trump's home was raided under the pretense of a suspicion that presidential records were on his property. Now remember, that's what the affidavit says from the unredacted parts that we can see. Quote, are presidential records subject to record retention requirements currently remaining at the premises? That is what they argued. They argued that there are presidential records subject to record retention requirements currently remaining at the premises, meaning Mar-a-Lago. Team Trump says this provides the deeply troubling prospect that President, Trump, President Trump's home was raided under the pretense of a suspicion that presidential records were on his property. 
even though the Presidential Records Act is not a criminally enforceable statute, as we've told you several times on the show. So basically what the FBI, in the unredacted parts of the affidavit, from what we can see, the FBI argued to this judge, there are presidential records at Mar-a-Lago, presidential records that we believe should not be at Mar-a-Lago. Therefore, we need a warrant to go in and look at these presidential records at Mar-a-Lago. The problem is, is that the president has full authority over his records. This is well-established case law. And the Presidential Records Act is not a criminally enforceable statute. So the FBI can't get involved in a criminal warrant, a criminal raid, and the potential for criminal charges with something that isn't criminal. Does this sound familiar to anything? Got news for you. Even if Trump had colluded with Russia, not a crime. Hillary colluded with Ukraine. She didn't commit a crime when she did that. A candidate is allowed to get information about their opponent from any source in the world. We've gone over campaign law on that. It's very clear. So when Hillary Clinton was getting hit because she was colluding with the Ukrainian government and the Ukrainian government was giving her campaign information about Trump, that became a big story. And then suddenly, automagically, it turned into Trump-Russia collusion, which hadn't been a thing up until that point. So Hillary did not break the law when she was getting information from from Ukraine, and Trump didn't break the law at all because he wasn't even working with Russia. But had he been colluding with Russia, it would not have been a crime unless they were specifically colluding to commit a crime, not to just win the election. So that's where things get interesting. So impeachment number one was about something that wasn't even illegal. Impeachment number two, also about something that wasn't even illegal involving Ukraine again, where Joe Biden did the thing that they accused Trump of doing, and Trump had the full authority to do what he was doing. So we go down this, this rabbit hole again. Every time they've tried to make a serious claim against Trump, not only has he been innocent of those claims, but none of them have actually been criminal behavior. So if he had done them, they would not have been crimes to begin with. Here we have the same exact thing. That whole wrap-up smear thing, that whole, uh, you know, show me the man and I'll show you the crime logic is basically what this is. Just give me somebody. We'll find a crime on them. That's what that's what's happening here. So Team Trump making a very interesting point. According to the affidavit, the FBI says presidential records at Mar-a-Lago is one of the reasons that they wanted to go in. That's the unredacted portion of it. If there's other reasons, we don't know. Because it's, it's not a part of the, the affidavit that we've seen. But the stuff that we have seen, presidential records being at Mar-a-Lago, are the reason the FBI needed the warrant. Only the Pres- Presidential Records Act isn't a criminally enforceable statute. So you can't use the FBI and the Department of Justice to do a criminal raid, a criminal search warrant, and potential criminal charges on something that's not a criminally enforceable statute. doesn't make any sense, which is why we've been talking about this. There's more to that. There is more to that. Because investigative reporter Paul Sperry has been breaking this apart, and he has some very interesting things to say about the affidavit and the search warrant and everything else. This is not looking good for the FBI. I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably going to take the full hour because there's a lot to get into, not just with this, but also, did you know that there are uh, several FBI agents here recently who have been convicted of crimes, one of which was convicted of destroying evidence that he was trying that he was trying to lie to and falsify evidence? Let me, let me say this again. One FBI agent 
was falsifying evidence against Trump, got caught, and then he destroyed all of his records so he didn't, he wouldn't be convicted of falsifying evidence against Trump. But I know the FBI would never do anything like that, right? They're beyond reproach. Right, exactly. So I'm going to go over those stories too in this hour. So we got a lot to cover. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. in fights with people about that storm too that hit my car because i i came in here was like yeah i just got hit with an f-zero <laughs> and people like no there's no tornadoes anywhere yeah really because i got it on camera <laughs> there's a funnel it swirled it threw things at me it hit my car i know exactly I, I called my family after it hit me and i said tornadoes heading your way <laughs> so that was you know i actually went back and looked at the uh the footage of it caught not half of it but like a little about third third of it but it was so small it probably didn't even register f0 something like that but it was enough to rip branches off of the trees and throw them at my car and make everybody stop nobody could see anything and it picked up water from the the river all right we're talking about the fbi don't want to say the doj set trump up but yeah well let's take a look at the butts shall we from paul sperry investigative journalist the unsealed fbi affidavit contains several oddities one Nowhere does it flat out say classified information was found in Trump's 15 boxes. On page two, it refers only to docs that class with classification markings, which raises the specter that they were no longer classified. As I told you when it was released, classified markings don't mean anything because they are still there even after they're declassified. Just because there's markings on it doesn't mean anything. Uh, let's see. Uh, two, it states the docs appear to contain national defense information, but agents uh, triage the boxes. They would know it that if they contain NDI or not three. Okay, the af- the affiant claimed that there is probable cause to believe evidence of obstruction will be found at the premises. Yet there's no obstruction header or section spelling out why he believes any of that, which we alluded to last week when the affidavit was somewhat unsealed. Four, he said that he doesn't believe any spaces within Mar-a-Lago are currently authorized for storage of classified info. So they, which is interesting because we know that they are. Um, We're going to get into that here in a second, but I just want to set this up before we go further into what Paul Sperry is is writing here, Real Clear Investigations. Trump worked at Mar-a-Lago. That's where he he would go when he wasn't at the White House. He was at Mar-a-Lago. Do you know what that means? That means he got classified briefings and classified documents and classified information at Mar-a-Lago. So this notion that that isn't a thing is preposterous and untrue. Uh, Let's see. Did Biden and the DOJ FBI set a trap for Trump? Number one. In a June 8th letter, the DOJ ordered Trump to keep his records indefinitely preserved in that room. That's a quote. At Mar-a-Lago. Even though it claimed that Mar-a-Lago does not include a secure location authorized for the storage of classified information. Which, again, doesn't make sense because this was the president's second home. Where he received classified briefings and classified information was stored. So, how is it? That you could say that Mar-a-Lago is not a place where you can have classified information that is set up for that anyway. And then you also said back in June, the beginning of June, 
that Trump should keep these documents at Mar-a-Lago in that room. If it was a matter of national security, as people have been playing with this notion and that he was going to sell it to the Russians, as some wackadoodle said on Twitter, then wouldn't you want to go in there on June 9th and take those documents as opposed to just saying keep them in the room? Uh, Let's see. Number two, then on August 5th, the FBI told the magistrate judge as part of its evidence of alleged criminal activity by Trump that there is probable cause to believe that documents contain classified NDI and presidential records remain at the premises, even though just two months earlier, the DOJ had told Trump to keep the records preserved in that room, which is exactly where they were. As we told you before, the FBI set the Secret Service up. The FBI is doing this whole thing. So Real Clear Investigations asks, why would the DOJ in a June 8th letter direct Trump's lawyer to keep the disputed records at Mar-a-Lago preserved in that room until further notice, unquote, instead of turning them over to the National Archives? If the goal truly was to recover the records for the archives and not to set Trump up to or entrap him in a criminal sting operation, why would the DOJ not just remand the additional boxes to the custody of NARA? Great question. The unsealed affidavit also reveals that some of the alleged classified documents in the 15 boxes retrieved from Trump's uh, from Trump were marked FISA, which could indicate that these were the documents dealing with the FISA warrant applications and memos that were used to illegally spy on Trump and his personnel. Now, remember, those FISA warrants were obtained with false information, information that was manufactured by the FBI. And as Cash Patel has repeatedly said, Trump had all of that information and he planned to release it. He probably shouldn't have waited so long. If you go to Paul Sperry on Getter, okay, if you're on Getter, um, he's on other platforms too, but he's been censored as well. He's just an investigative journalist. Um, Justice Department today admitted to Florida to a Florida judge that it found attorney-client privilege material in the 27 boxes and containers that it seized from Trump's home confirming, along with Trump's passports and properly seized, that FBI agents over-collected materials outside the scope of the investigation and also suggesting that the search warrant was overly broad. Again, all criminal, okay? The FBI, is it affiant? I don't know how you say that, uh, who swore to the Mar-a-Lago search warrant appears to have made a critical factual error by stating in the unsealed affidavit, quote, I do not believe that any spaces within the premises have been authorized for the storage of classified information. This finding, which is the linchpin of the criminal case versus Trump, overlooks the fact that, one, White House records confirm that the sensitive compartmented information facility, or SCIF, authorizing the briefing and storage of classified material up to the TSSCI level, had in fact been installed at Mar-a-Lago. Number two, records show that the Secret Service had recently awarded a nearly $600,000 contract to upgrade physical security within the premises at Mar-a-Lago for Trump's post-presidency transition. Uh-huh. Even though the unique classified material was improperly stored and transmitted by Hillary Clinton on an unsecured device allowing a foreign actor to gain access to unknowable quantities of classified material, the FBI did not refer that matter to U.S. intelligence agencies to determine if the national security had been compromised. And in fact, Real Clear Politics and Real Clear Investigations recently, I should say investigations, they're part of the same umbrella, but they're different outfits. Um, They actually just went 
to the government and ask them, hey, did any of that information that was supposed to be turned over to the intelligence community from Hillary Clinton's uh, email server to ascertain if national security had been jeopardized in any way, has any of that actually been sent off for a security review? And the government admitted that none of it had. So once again, friendly reminder, everything that the left accuses the right of doing, they themselves have done. And Trump, as we pointed out before, there isn't a crime here, obviously. Certainly nothing that's been alleged or nothing that's been, um, any evidence has been provided of. That certainly doesn't exist. But as we get to the point where the FBI is like, oh, you can't have classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. It's like, what are you talking about? They had the skiff there. He worked at Mar-a-Lago. He received classified briefings at Mar-a-Lago. There's classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. And the presidential records... Uh, Presidential Records Act is a non-criminal enforceable statute, which means you can't get the FBI and DOJ involved in a case like that anyway. It would be a civil case if the archives really wanted to pitch a fit about it. I suppose they could have. The other thing that is kind of important to point out is that the individual over at the archives, which appears to be running this, is... um, a, a Democrat activist, I got to pull this story up, uh, is a Democrat activist who donated to Joe Biden and, and several others and really doesn't like Donald Trump. So once again, we're dealing with a, a government bureaucrat who appears to be blinded by their Trump derangement syndrome. But there's more to this. I want to talk about these other FBI lawyers, too, because uh, and then the FBI responded to the Facebook thing after Mark Zuckerberg last week, you know, got uh got the the well he went on joe rogan show and said the fbi they're the ones that told us to censor the hunter biden story so we did well the fbi's responded to that and the fbi's made it much worse we'll talk about that coming up in just a minute mnc news time is 3:36. time to check out impress jewelry creations creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime still got that ugly thunderstorm warning so if you are just tuning in and maybe you've looked up at the sky and noticed that you know the sky's angry at you um you, you want to go ahead and batten down the hatches here while the warning is in effect. Uh, there's going to be, you know, serious wind in certain areas. And it's they're saying that yeah, potentially 40% of all of the warning area is going to get hit with this thing. Could be more than that, obviously. There's still some places outside of the warning area in our listening audience that have a watch, but I would just advise you, considering most of those places are surrounded with warnings, I would just consider it, treat it as a warning just in case. If you get lucky, you get lucky, but... Uh, right now, the weather is looking pretty darn ugly for most of the listening area. So text the word weather right now to 45364, and we will give you those breaking weather alerts and send them right to your phone so you don't have to guess what's actually happening. Investigative journalist Paul Sperry has a couple more observations about some of the stuff that has happened with the FBI, Mar-a-Lago, the affidavit. Um, he, he's the one that uh, told me, I found the thing that I was trying to tell you about before the break. Federal campaign records reveal that the wife of the former National Archives chief, David Ferrero, who privately huddled with Biden's top White House lawyer over the first batch of documents retrieved from Mar-a-Lago, is a Democrat activist who has given political donations to the, to the Biden for President campaign, Nancy Pelosi for Congress campaign, and the Stop Republicans PAC. So again, dealing with the National Archives, this explains why the National Archives has never gone after Obama. <laughs> Um, even though there isn't anything to go after Obama for, it's just we like pointing out that Obama still hasn't returned those documents. The archives claimed that they returned the documents. Nobody believes them. 
uh, because there's no record of them actually going through the Obama documents. And up until they were called out for it, there was no record of those documents ever actually being returned. Um, let's see. The FBI understood conducting a raid. This is from the 26th. Paul Sperry. The FBI understood conducting a raid of a former president's home was not only politically radioactive, but also legally dicey. Because according to the just unsealed affidavit, it assembled a separate team of agents to be on alert for attorney client privileged information found in Trump's office and then to segregate it for review. Huh? You don't get to review that. (laughs) It is not clear what they did with the communications they found between Trump and his attorneys, which would cover a variety of issues, including his business empire. Uh, and others. So we know that they took attorney-client privilege documents. They've admitted to it now. So I guess the extra team was looking for that stuff, and they took it, and then they reviewed it. But they're saying, oh, yeah, not not most of the documents are attorney-client. Just some of the documents are attorney-client privilege. Yeah, you're not supposed to have those. That's the whole point of Trump wanting a special master. You're not supposed to have those. Uh, So anyway, this is the, and I told you earlier today, my allergies are all jacked up today, so I apologize. Uh, The FBI is in the midst of some damage control after Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg revealed that the FBI had warned his company of some incoming misinformation right before the Hunter Biden laptop story broke. Now, friendly reminder, the FBI had the laptop. The FBI already knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. They knew it wasn't misinformation. They knew it was Hunter Biden's laptop. They already knew it before they even told Facebook that. So this is the FBI getting involved in rigging an election, period. It's all there is to it. So Mark Zuckerberg, we told you all about this last week. He goes on Joe Rogan's podcast. He kind of explains how the FBI approached him and asked him to do what he did and what they chose to do versus what Twitter chose to do and that sort of thing. So the FBI is now quickly coming to its own defense, claiming that the warning that warning social media websites of incoming misinformation is nothing new. NBC News reported that the FBI said it can't ask these companies to take direct action, but that it can warn them of a potential threat. So let's let's see what the statement says. The FBI said that it provided companies with foreign threat indicators to help protect their platforms and customers, but that it cannot ask or direct companies to take action on information received. The FBI routinely notifies U.S. private sector entities, including social media providers, of potential threat information so that they can decide how to better defend against those threats, he said. Okay, so this actually makes the FBI look way worse. This doesn't help them at all. Don't worry, I'm going to get to Ashley's diary in a minute. (laughs) I got people on the live stream uh, posting about uh, Ashley Biden's diary. Don't worry, we'll get to that in a minute. So if they warn Facebook, okay, that the Hunter Biden laptop story was misinformation, when, of course, it wasn't misinformation, it was absolutely true, and they knew that at the time, and now they've admitted that they do this sort of thing on the regular, that seems to dictate to me that social media basically is the information ministers of the federal government, right? It's one thing to contact Facebook and say, hey, um, there's a lot of VIPs and stuff on Facebook, and there's an indication here that there's going to be a massive cyber breach of your system. You need to you know, secure it. We can help you with that, whatever. 
that's one thing. It's another thing to go to them and go, hey, um, some foreign power is going to say something that isn't true, and you should probably wink, wink, nod, nod, not let that stuff out on your platform. Catch me drift. And as many people have pointed out, when the FBI comes to you and says something like that, it really isn't a suggestion. They may not be able to openly tell you to do this, but when the FBI says it, you're you're in a position where, one, it's the FBI telling you, so you've got a liability issue now if you don't do what they say. But the other thing is you don't want to tick the FBI off. So the fact that the FBI is like, yeah, we do this all the time. I don't know what Mark Zuckerberg is all upset about. Oh, okay. Did you know about these two former FBI agents? We're going to talk about that. Uh, one's a lawyer and then one's an agent. And these are very important cases for kind of what we're talking about here. So we're going to go ahead and and talk about those two cases coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right. So there's these two these two stories here. Actually, two different ones. And this is kind of important because, you know, we're dealing with... Um, eh, I'm going to have to be kind of quick about this, but... When you have FBI agents who are actually, and lawyers, who are actually out there and doing illegal things, they get caught, right? We, we talked about some of the scandals from the FBI just as of late, okay? There is an FBI lawyer, okay, who has pled guilty recently. We'll get into that here in a minute. But the main one that I wanted to focus on was the former FBI agent has now pled guilty to destroying evidence in a case against a pro-Trump lawmaker. So this is an FBI agent who is fabricating evidence against a pro-Trump lawmaker, got caught, and as a result, he's now going to be, well, pled guilty. He's going to be, you know, I guess a part of the legal system. I don't expect any seriousness coming out of this. Already reeling from suspicion following a raid on former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, the FBI suffered another public relations hit earlier this week. Uh, KATV reported that a former FBI agent pled guilty to allegations that he purposely destroyed evidence to frame a pro-Trump state lawmaker in Arkansas. The guilty plea was part of a bargain between prosecutors and the former agent, Robert Cesario, who was charged with corrupt destruction of record in an official proceeding in connection with the corruption trial of former state Senator John Woods of Springdale. I erased, this is what he said, this is in his plea deal, I erased the contents of the computer hard, uh, computer hard drive knowing that the court has ordered that the computer be submitted for a forensic examination. I did so with the intention of making the contents of the computer's hard drive unavailable for forensic examination. That's, uh, that sucks. Now, he faces up to 20 years in prison and a potential fine of as much as $250,000. He's not going to get any of that. But this is, once again, this is a situation where the FBI, the FBI has gone out there and messed around with evidence in order to convict or to demonize or to harass, whatever you want to call it, somebody who is pro-Trump when that's not their job. Obviously not their job, but that's exactly what they went out there and they did. 
And because of that, and literally dozens of other examples that we have here, um, we've got the the Ashley Biden uh, diary. So the FBI, ex-FBI lawyers pled guilty to doctoring an email in the Russia inquiry. So they fabricated an email. That's what the, uh, the lawyer pled guilty to. So just a, just a friendly reminder, you know, this stuff is going out there. But the Ashley Biden diary, which has now been confirmed as authentic. Love watching people out there saying, see, we don't even know whose diary it is. Well, you can't convict people of stealing a diary if you don't know who the owner of the diary is. And since those two guys got convicted of stealing a diary and the diary is allegedly Ashley Biden's, they stole Ashley Biden's diary, which means the stuff in the diary is her diary. Otherwise, they can't possibly be convicted of a crime. The only thing to be done is say, well, they lied about this being Ashley Biden's diary. And that's why we're not arresting them and not charging them. But that's not what happened. They instead authenticated it by arresting and charging and ultimately convicting them. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Show. I mean, I don't hope that it happens to you. I hope that it doesn't happen to you. But, you know, let's just say some of that wind from the storm warning that we have, uh, like, projects something into the side of your house and you need to get it painted. Like, it's a great excuse to get the outside of your home painted, right? Call Five Star Painting, like we did. Five Star Painting did a fantastic job painting the exterior of our home. They do the inside as well. They do all your walls on the inside. They can do your doors. They can also do your kitchen cabinets if you're looking to do a budget-friendly kitchen remodel. Five Star Painting is the best place for you to go locally, period. They're extremely professional. I've always had a really good experience with them, and I've got tons of other people who have said the same thing. Go to fivestarpainting.com, fivestarpainting.com, and let them know I sent you, and you get free paint with your next project. So I ran into an article here. It's from American Thinker. It says, three signs we're in a banana republic. Now, some of you, some of you might not think that we're quite there yet. And, and I understand that. There's, um, it certainly doesn't feel like a banana republic, right? Generally speaking. But at the same time, there's some pretty valid points that are made here. And we do joke about Banana Republic stuff all the time. J6 committees, Banana Republic stuff, it's not a legitimate anything. Um, You get into some of this type stuff where it's like, eh, Banana Republics send the, you know, Federal Bureau of Investigations after one side. Uh, Banana Republics um, use federal bureaucracies to try and fix elections. Uh, Banana Republics use federal bureaucracies to harass a certain political persuasion of the opponent of the party. So that's, you know, there's some elements, certainly a banana republic here. But are we in a banana republic? Well, this is a this is the thing is three signs we're in a banana republic. Very interesting take. I wanted to pass it on with you. I'll let you ultimately decide. Number one, manipulation of language and mandatory leftist religion. The political left's most potent weapon is its penchant for undermining the meaning of words which I've been warning you about, I think, longer than anybody else in this business. For decades, Democrats have branded anything antithetical to their worldview as hateful and banned offending viewpoints from civic culture altogether. When authorities deconstruct biological sex so preposterously that they can't even tell the differences between boys and girls, though, they've lost the plot. So they go through to give examples of this and everything else. I don't really need to provide you a ton more, but I do want to give you one story. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen the show Euphoria. Probably not a lot of you in this audience. It's a famous show, though, on uh, HBO. 
One of the actresses is Sydney Sweeney. Okay. Sydney Sweeney is um you know, young woman, Hollywood. She's in a show that um would be considered a show that kind of caters towards a left-wing type mindset. But she had a she was well, her family had a birthday for her mom. So her mom's celebrating a birthday, the family's all there, they're celebrating, and there's some people at the birthday. I know, God forbid, a big family affair when somebody in your family has a birthday, but some people there who wore MAGA-styled hats, not MAGA hats. They were red hats with the same font, but they said different things. They didn't say, make America great again. But there was also, this is where things get really awful, okay? There were some people there at her mother's birthday party who had... Thin blue line stuff, police lives matter stuff, that type of thing. So pro-police stuff. They're trying to cancel this, this woman, this young lady who's an actress on this show. They're trying to cancel her because of what other people wore to a party for her mom. And then she posted about it, which she never should have done. But she's young. She, she, you know, her agent probably gave her crap advice and said, oh, you need to address this. The, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But she didn't need to address it. But she goes out there. He's like, wow, okay. People see some pictures and then they just assume some stuff and everything else. First of all, it doesn't matter if Sidney Sweeney is a Democrat, Republican, or doesn't care. And it doesn't matter if her mom or her family lean one way or the other. None of that matters. She tends to leave politics out of her social posts um, perusing through them earlier. She's not really big into the political thing, which a lot of young people are not. So she's kept it out. I don't know which way she leans. I just, by de facto of her being in Hollywood and the show that she's on, I tend to think that she probably leans one way or the other, but I don't know. And it certainly doesn't mean that she can't have relatives and friends who lean a different way, but she's being attacked. One of the top comments underneath her post was, Somebody equated wearing the MAGA-styled hats to swastikas. True story. And they're like, well, I guess that if we saw your family having a bunch of swastikas, we shouldn't assume that they were Nazis then. I, I know. I know. Logical fallacy, but I digress. This is the religion that is leftism right now. Number one thing, number one sign that we are in a banana republic, manipulation of language and mandatory leftist religion. She didn't even do anything. She's not photographed in any of that stuff. Wouldn't matter if she was. It would still prove my point if she did have that stuff on and was still being canceled, but she didn't even wear it. People at her mother's birthday party wore it, so she must pay the price. She has to be canceled. She's not allowed to be on the show anymore. She's not allowed to be in movies anymore. I got news for you. She's going to be a star. She got all the markers of being a star. As long as she doesn't screw it up, she's going to be a star. She's on her way up. So you're going to be seeing a lot more of her in the, in the near future. So that's number one, okay? Can't even have people at her mother's birthday party who think differently than you think on Twitter. So you have to cancel somebody just because within their sphere of influence, there might be somebody who disagrees with you. Number two, selective prosecution and political persecution. 
federal the federal Leviathan has two standing orders today. Number one, get Trump. Number two, protect the establishment uniparty and permanent bureaucratic deep state at all costs. So again, when we refer to the party, which is a reference to 1984, which is written by George Orwell, the party is the swamp, the deep state, the political class. Okay, That's what it is. It doesn't mean the Democrats. It means everybody in the political class that is only obsessed with maintaining the political class power. They're trying to form a new aristocracy with them at the top and you at the bottom. You're only allowed to move upwards if you fall in line and you don't allow anybody wearing um, police supportive apparel or anything that even looks like anything uh, associated with a MAGA hat to your mother's birthday party. Then then you can move up. You can't move up uh, if you have any of those things. When the intelligence community isn't busy framing President Trump as a Russian spy, the FBI DOJ are committed to slapping him with imaginary process crimes that they'd never dare try against a Clinton, Biden, Bush, or Obama. That's one heck of a way to thank a president who took no salary while using his time in office to increase middle-class Americans' wealth, security, and future prospects. They go into more of it, but you get the point. The third sign that we might actually be in a banana republic, or at least certainly on our way, according to this American Thinker article. And again, I'm not drawing any conclusions. I want you to go ahead and take a look, but I think they're compelling arguments. Number three, forced citizen compliance and increased government dependence. Obedience plus financial dependence equals enslavement to the state. This is the only math our Leviathan knows. Wealthy lawmakers don't mind bankrupting America if it means their control over us increases. Racial provocateurs don't mind burning cities to the ground if Antifa and Black Lives Matter shock troops can intimidate Americans into docility. Medical mercenaries don't mind issuing unscientific orders arbitrarily enforcing experimental vaccines, masks, and travel restrictions if their perceived authority over Americans is permanently established. The religious zealots who worship climate change as a false idol do not mind if their aberrant worldview requires Americans to relinquish free will, pray for false gods, uh, pray to false gods, and descend into the depths of both physical and spiritual poverty. The more Americans feel impoverished, the more they become dependent on handouts from the state. Welfare is hardly fair because it always takes more from the soul than it gives. So American thinker, and, and there's more to each step here. I've only read a little bit of it. But according to America thinker, three signs that we are in a banana republic. Manipulation of language and mandatory leftist religion. Okay, that's number one. Selective prosecution and political persecution. It's number two. And then number three is forced citizen compliance and increased government dependence. It is hard to argue. All three of those are clearly true. Now, is that enough to actually push us into a banana republic? I don't know. Like I said, it doesn't quite feel like it yet, but it's getting pretty close, at least on some fronts. I can still crack a microphone on a radio station, on a government signal, and tell the government to bleep off. I can still do that. I can't use the actual word, but I can bleep it, right? So I can still do that. But there might come a time where I can't, because I can't on social media now. Not on your standard social media. Not in the social media that the FBI calls up and says, hey, we want you to censor this story for us. Not the social media that the CDC or the WHO calls up and says, we want you to censor these people for us. 
not the social media, that the Biden administration picked up the phone and called and said, we don't want this journalist to be able to post on your platform anymore. I can't do it at those places, but I can do it on Rumble. And I can post what I want on Truth Social and Telegram and a couple of other places. But those aren't the places where the idea, the public square, the idea marketplace, things like that, where they really exist so far. Maybe one day they will be, but right now they don't. They still exist on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and that sort of thing. That's where most people are. YouTube. And it's hard to argue that we don't at least have these three things going for a banana republic. Like I said, am I willing to say that we are in a banana republic right now? Not not entirely, but we sure do see a lot of the signs of one. And we're probably not that far off. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Just allow me to throw in a couple more things about this Banana Republic thing, right? Just just as an evidentiary thing. I mean, I know we kind of do that every single day, but I just want to add a few more things. Are you aware that Antifa showed up at the family-friendly drag show in Texas wearing masks and armed with AR-15s, and they even set up a sniper hide in one of the buildings off of the road. Did you know that? And that this is all photographed. It's all taken care of. This is in Roanoke, Texas. Now, if they have the legal right to be there and to be armed, they have the legal right to be there and to be armed. A little questionable that they're covering their face, don't you think? When patriots show up at a place and they're armed, they don't cover their face, generally speaking. Although you probably should. Now, I'm not focusing on that they showed up there, because this was all in the guise of protecting a drag show, right? There's no media reaction to it. Where's the media reaction to Antifa patrolling the streets of Roanoke, armed with guns, AR-15s, which the left tells us you don't need, and is a dangerous militarized weapon, right? Where's, where's the... Where's the left-wing news media out there be like, hey, hey, hold on a second. Antifa can't be out there with AR-15s just walking around the streets intimidating people. Because that's what happens anytime somebody who's on the political right or perceived to be on the political right does that. Does Do these people with Antifa have the right to do that? Yeah, probably. As long as they're not violating any local laws, then so be it. But at the same time, where's the media coverage of how horrible and dangerous and threatening this is and how this needs to be stamped out and it's a part of our gun culture? There's no complaints about this at all. Nobody's even talking about it. Nobody's talking about Antifa showing up armed to the teeth at a drag rally. They would be if people showed up who opposed the drag, the drag rally and had AR-15s. That, there would be a lot of people who are very, very upset about that. But none of those people actually showed up. The only people who were armed and showed up were Antifa. And for the record, um, this happens to be members of the John Brown Gun Club. Now, for those of you who don't know who the John Brown Gun Club is, that's an Antifa group that is linked to actual domestic terrorist attacks in the United States. So they are a criminal terrorist chapter of Antifa. 
I know it was redundant, but since people want to go, no, no, Antifa's peaceful. No, not the John Brown Gun Club. They're not peaceful. They are violent. They have committed acts of domestic terrorism. So where is the news media out there? Like they would be for any of you. Where's the news media out there saying, hey, uh, these radical extremists who have already committed acts of violence in the United States are walking around Roanoke armed to the teeth. What, what, what are, why are we allowing a domestic terrorist organization to go around and do that? Where's the news media coverage of that? Oh, no, doesn't get any. So again, if you have an AR-15, you're scum of the earth, domestic terrorist extremist. If they have, have AR-15s and they hide their face, nothing. Whisper quiet. Let's go to another one here. Medical board is targeting pro-life doctors for spreading misinformation about abortions. Really? So here's the thing. The American Board of uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology has threatened to revoke certifications of physicians who share pro-life information. I want you to just sit there and digest this. I know it's a Monday. Because I'm sure that some of you probably rolled your eyes like, Banana Republic, come on. We are in a, in a state now where you literally have a medical board threatening to revoke certi- certifications from doctors for simply sharing pro-life information. Why don't you just, just emanate in that, like you're on the toilet. According to National Review... ABOG will attempt to revoke board certifications of any OBGYN who spreads, quote, misinformation and disinformation about contraception and abortion. ABOG will review reports of dissemination of misinformation and disinformation about COVID-19, reproductive health care, contraception, abortion, and other OBGYN practices that may harm the patients that we serve or public health that may. And again, will ABOG do anything If these doctors say something that is backed up by clinical trials, no, they don't care about the clinical trials. They care about the narrative and only the narrative. And I know that this is going to, you know, come off as me patting myself on the back. There was nobody in this country who covered COVID more accurately than I did. That's the truth. Nobody covered it earlier. Nobody covered it more and nobody was more right than I was. And all I did, all I did was devote my time to actually reading the research that was published. That's really all I did. And I I couldn't get anybody else to do it. And I would tag these people on social media who are in the media. I'm like, what you're saying is not true here. Did they ever care? No, they never cared. It was all about spreading the narrative. And then what did we end up finding out? Oh, Health and Human Services was paying them money to do it. Banana Republic stuff. Bureaucrats paying the media. So you got the government paying the media to tell you what the government wants the media to tell you. Not the media investigating what the government is saying and and disseminating if it's true and then informing their audience. No, no, no. The government says, we want you to say this. Here's some money. Now go do it. And the media going... We're doing it. That's insanity. Again, Banana Republic stuff, right? 
Imagine being a doctor sharing a clinical trial or multiple clinical trials with actual research and then having the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology moving on you to decertify you as an OBGYN because they didn't like what you said. Imagine publishing any study going back to 2007 on mass, which clearly showed the mass didn't work, which is now the, the accepted premise, by the way, even on MSNBC, is that masking did not work. And these people at the ABOG basically saying, yeah, you can't be a doctor anymore. What? Tell me that's not Banana Republic-like. Of course it is. It's very fascist. That's another thing, too, this Banana Republic-like. They keep trying to redefine fascism. Let's talk about that next. MNC News Time is 4.34. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. And I would like to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Um, the Rumble audience is growing. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you watch the live stream on Rumble, make sure you hit that subscribe button and download the app. I don't know if you noticed this over the weekend. I did post about it on social media, but Rumble after Mark Zuckerberg's admission about the FBI getting Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden story. After that, Rumble became the number one downloaded app in the country. Which means the censorship will be coming soon. So I recommend that you download the Rumble app, sign up for a free Rumble account, and make sure you subscribe to my channel. There is also an update uh, as Rumble is getting ready to go public here. You can now stream on Rumble for free. I can't <laughs> because I have too much content. But if you are interested in finding a, a free speech platform to live stream on, you can live stream on Rumble now. There is a free option for you to do that. And, of course, you can upload your videos uh, just like YouTube. So I definitely encourage you to get a Rumble account Download the app so you can get those notifications when we go live or I upload a video. And please subscribe to my channel. A lot, lot of new folks watching the show over the past couple of weeks. I appreciate that. Um, not a lot of them have hit that sub button yet, though. So I would appreciate you hitting that sub button. Always glad to have you in the audience, but having that subscriber button really does help. All right. One of the things that got brought up about the Banana Republic stuff is... You got Webster's Dictionary, and you've got uh, Wikipedia, all changing definitions of things, rewriting history, gaslighting you. Yes, this is a part of the Orwellian hellscape that we are facing. You change the definition of a word to change the argument. This is why I've been hammering on this for 17 years that I've been in this business, and it's why I used Obama doing this strategy in front of everybody in the world on George Snuffleupagus's program on ABC when he chore, he, he told George Stephanopoulos, I just, I've had a couple of people like, do you think he's really called Snuffleupagus? No, I've been making fun of George Snuffleupagus since he was in the Clinton administration. So anyway, I, I went ahead and, and I highlighted that point because Stephanopoulos basically said, Obamacare is a tax hike. 
And Obama said, no, it isn't. And he said, the definition of a tax hike is this. And Obama said, if you have to look at the dictionary to get a definition, you're grasping at straws. Which, of course, you're not grasping at straws. You're quoting an an accurate description of what is a tax hike. And then the Obama administration argued in, in the Supreme Court that Obamacare was not a tax hike. And then Chief Justice Roberts said it was a tax hike and then gave them the authority to tax everybody, which they didn't have the authority to tax anybody that way anyway. But I digress. Rehashing old stuff. It went mainstream that night. That was my point. It had been a problem, but it went mainstream when Obama was willing to go on national television and say definitions don't mean anything. Looking up the definition of a word is not a valid tactic to decipher the meaning of words. This is always their strategy. It's why they they tell you the Constitution says something that it doesn't. It's why they tell you the Second Amendment doesn't mean what it means. They constantly do this in order to manipulate language and to change it to fit their narrative. So what is fascism? Since Wikipedia and everybody else wants to change you, change, change the definition of fascism, make it a right-wing thing, which is what the political left has been doing. Antifa is fascist. That's what the great irony. Antifa, the anti-fascists, are fascist. Now, they will tell you that they're more on the communist side, but they don't overtly say they're communist. They say that they're socialist, which is fascism. Fascism and socialism are two of the same thing that is having an ideological purity contest. One allows a bit more capitalism than the other. That's really the only difference as far as the major policy positions are concerned. Fascism is socialism. It's in the name. So there's this thread here. And it was on Twitter. It says, it appears that fascism is the new accusation from the left. Uh, Started when President Never Blinks mumbled it during his alleged rally. Okay. Now, it didn't start then, but this is what this person is saying. Because basically, you know, you you had Biden out there saying that Trump supporters were, you know, fascist light or lightweight fascist or something like that and even the White House couldn't even defend that with any definition last week so this person breaks down this is um, Blue State Snooze breaks down the definition of fascism now they went to Merriam-Webster which for the record you should never do you should never go to Webster's Dictionary ever again because they're actively changing the definition of words to suit a leftist narrative never use Webster's Dictionary but they did And they pulled up the definition of fascism, okay, which is interesting. A political regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual. What was Biden's sole qualification for SCOTUS? An African-American woman. Selected minorities were given preferential treatment in distribution of COVID relief and treatments based on equity. So then they write, check So fascism, a political regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual. Okay, well, the left does that. They don't care about individual aptitude. They care about race. Next, in the definition, that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader. Biden has spent his first year and a half in office ruling by executive fiat. He just forgave student loan debt with a wave of his hand. Check. Severe economic and social regimentation. 
Biden called COVID the pandemic of the unvaccinated and the administration pushed COVID restrictions. Check. Forcible oppression of opposition. The official White House Twitter account revealed financial information of GOP congresspeople. Check. Which they did that over the, uh, the course of the end of last week. So when President Repeat the Line uses the term fascism, he is describing his administration to a T. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day, they wrote. And I've had this discussion with people in my entire career. I've used the fascist argument. This is always used against Republicans, even though Republicans are probably the staunchest anti-fascist people um, in this country. I, I would say the world, but there's a few people who might disagree with that in formerly oppressed nations. So you go to dictionary.com. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of different de- definitions here. Dictionary.com. I feel like I need to give you the definition because everybody's warped what fascism actually is. We, we spent some time, I think we did a premium show on this during COVID, where we spent some time actually went through the policy positions of your typical fascist government. Those policy positions are almost exclusively Democratic Party positions. They almost don't exist at all within the Republican platforms that we've ever had. They're almost always Democrat. Fascism. A government system led by a dictator having complete power, forcibly suppressing opposition and criticism, regimenting all industry, commerce, etc., and emphasizing an aggressive nationalism and often racism. Okay. Now, what the people who claim that Republicans or conservatives are fascists, this is just a play on the racism aspect. Because the Nazis were racist. And because all Republicans and conservatives are racist too, therefore, you're fascist. Even though anybody of any political ideology can certainly be a racist. But this is the only thing of fascism that they can even link it to. And it's still based on a myth. It's based on a myth that Republicans and conservatives are racist, which of course they are not. Most racism, according to the research, still to this day, as was originally, is still found on the left. So... A government system led by a dictator. All right. Is Biden a dictator? No. Does he do things with his executive orders that he's not legally allowed to do and are questionable because he doesn't want to deal with Congress? Yeah. Could a lot of American presidents get that criticism? Sure. And they made that criticism of Trump as well. And most of the time, those accusations against Trump were false. Not all the time, but most of the time they were false. But they were accurate with with Bush. They were accurate with Obama. That's one of the reasons I've always been saying that Congress should not basically uh, abdicate their authority. But when you run around and you basically tell Congress, I don't care what you're going to do. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. That's a tenet of fascism. Forcibly suppressing opposition and criticism. Yeah, Biden does that. Obama did that. Trump did not. Bush did not. Regimenting all industry and commerce. Biden is trying to do that right now. Pete Buttigieg, our former mayor, is out there talking about doing that almost every single week. Trump never did that. Wasn't interested in doing that. And emphasizing an aggressive nationalism. Trump was anti-war. It's not an aggressive nationalism. This is one of the things about fascism is the potential for expansionism as well. Clearly not something that Trump 
supports. But Joe Biden is kind of in that camp. Interesting stuff, right? Then when you go down the policy positions, it's crystal clear. Don't let them change the definition of these things. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. So there's a little chart here on the differences between communism and fascism. Somebody asked us to kind of explain it. Um, and again, it, I, one of the ways that I kind of start off this discussion, because this is a, actually a big discussion, I only have a couple of minutes, but one of the ways that I start off this discussion is Protestants versus Catholic. They're both Christian, but they hated each other for a long time, and in many parts of the world still do, because of an ideological purity contest. But they are still both Christian. Communism, fascism, both socialist. They both come from that wing, okay? They are left-wing ideologies. But they disagree with each other about certain things, violently so. So fascism is an authoritarian state led by one ruler, a dictatorship. Communism is a system that upholds economic equality and advocates a classless society. Now, does that ever happen? No. But there's usually the party or a system that controls communism, right? You have your figurehead leader of the country, but they're generally not the person who runs everything. Sometimes, like in the case of Stalin, they get so much power that they do basically control it all. But there are very few Soviet leaders that actually had Stalin's power. When it comes to economic coordination, planning for fascism is based on projected labor output rather than money. In communism, planning is done based on physical units instead of money. In social structures, fascism has a strict class structure to prevent chaos, whereas communism is supposed to be a classless society where everyone is the owner of the means of production. Does it work that way in reality? No, never does. There's always classes. It doesn't matter what kind of government you have. There's a reason there's rich, fat communists and poor, starving communists in a classless society. Religion and fascism, citizens worship the state through nationalism, whereas in communism, they reject all religions um, and met- metaphysics. Private property in fascism is nominally permitted. It is not allowed at all in communism. So you can get into a lot of this and what it's supposed to stand for versus... It's a very long chart. I'll put it in the Daily Show prep for everybody. Um, and again, this is just theoretically what it's supposed to stand for, not what really happens when it is actually implemented. But if you go through and you look at, um, the, you know what, I, maybe I need to read the cow model. I haven't read the cow model in a long time. The cow model was probably the best explanation of types of government ever. Maybe I'll look for that because there's a few ones that are not very good. I'll see if I can find the good one. And uh, if I can find it, I'll do it real quick at the uh, the uh, next hour here after the news break, and, and we'll do that. Because the cow model is, it's amusing, too. It's kind of funny. Got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw? Again, you can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. So I I did find a couple of them, but the cow model is kind of hard to find. There's a bunch of 
duplicates. The original one was done by some professor or something like that. It was always good, but I used to use the cow model to kind of explain different types of government uh, to people many, many years ago, and I hadn't done it in a long time. So when somebody had asked, you know, hey, what's the difference between communism and fascism? And um, the cow model is a good way of doing it because I can always tell you like what they're supposed to do. And then what actually ends up happening, for example, there's there's a clear class system in fascism. And it's basically rigid, right? But there is a way for you to appeal to the party and then move up in a caste. Whereas in communism, only very privileged people can move up within the upper class. There's not supposed to be an upper class, but there is. And the upper class is the party. And the more senior you are in the communist party, the more power and privilege and wealth you have. Everybody else doesn't really have that. Um, But obviously in a capitalist system, anybody can move up and down the, the classes with effort and production and that sort of thing. Uh, so if you're lower class, you can move up to the middle class, you can move up to the upper class, and your upper momentum is not limited. It's, it's purely on your own. So this is the, the closest one that I've found. So fascism, okay? There are two types of government cows in fascism. They are both taken by the government. The government then employs you to take care of the cows. The milk is then sold by the government to you. Okay? So you have two cows. The government takes them both. They then hire you and pay you to actually milk the cow. And then they sell you the milk from your cow that they stole from you. Okay? That's fascism. So there's a government-controlled capitalism, if you will. Okay? Now, if you look at... Uh, pure communism. You have two uh, the the communist. You have two types of government cows. This is where you share all of your milk with your neighbors, uh, since uh, they helped you in taking care of the cows. Life is said to be good until one neighbor uh, triples the amount of milk that allotted equal share, and the triple orders are then killed, and yada yada yada. So, it's, basically, there's a better way of explaining that one. Um, if you have in communism. You have two cows. The government takes both of your cows. The government forces you to milk the cows. And then the government sells you the milk, which you can't afford, so you don't actually get any milk. That's pretty much what communism is. So in fascism, the government takes the cows, but then they pay you to milk the cows, and then they sell you the milk from the cow that used to be yours. In communism, they just steal your cows, and they force you to work milking the cows, and then you don't actually get any milk anyway. Because you're not allowed to own them. In capitalism, you have two cows. You sell one and you buy a bull. That's capitalism. Do you understand why we bought a bull, Ben? Ben gets it. Do you get it? I know it's Monday. Because in capitalism, you need more cows. We have two cows that you milk. You need a bull so you can have a bunch of cows that you can milk now. (laughs) You can build an empire. So that's kind of the way that that it would work. Uh, it's not an exact thing, but it just it's a it's a, a, an explainer that's kind of easy for everybody to kind of understand. So in one, the government takes your cows, but they pay you to take care of the cows. In another one, they just take the cows, and you're lucky if you get any milk at all. Um, and then, of course, in a capitalist system, you can sell one cow and then buy a bull, and then you can have lots of cows as long as you take care of everything. Or 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 in the new 
Banana Republic Biden type America. Um, if you're Amish, you're screwed because you're not allowed to have organic milk. Like that Amish farmer got shut down. All because he wanted to have. This is so weird. You leftists out there, man. You push this non-GMO organic garbage, right? Non-GMO organic garbage. And then you have an Amish farmer who does nothing but non-GMO organic. Doesn't use hardly any carbon anything. He's environmentally friendly, right? Because everything is done by horse at this particular farm. So he's not running gas. He's not running diesel. He's not using a bunch of oil. This guy's environmentally friendly. Okay, you could say he's a climate activist, heck of a lot more so than your celebrity climate activist. He's got non-GMO, organic food. He's feeding thousands of people, and you shut him down. He's he's literally the poster boy for what you say America should be. Don't use fossil fuels. Check. Don't use GMOs. Check. Organic everything. Check. Oh, we got to shut him down. And Biden did that. <laughs> Trump didn't do that. Biden did that. Trump left the Amish guy alone. I know it's not the only story, but it's like, you know, it's like you go back a few years ago when uh, Brad Rogers was still sheriff of Elkhart County. And remember you had the federal government harassing the, uh, the, the milk farm. And, and they kept the USDA kept coming out trying to shut the milk farm down because they were having the non-pasteurized milk and, they were trying to tell you it's dangerous. Non-pasteurized milk is not dangerous, folks. Pasteurized milk can just last longer on a shelf. But you can have organic milk right from the cow. You will be fine. You will be fine. Oh, something else to, to note here. Turns out the people who are lactose to- intolerant tend to not be lactose intolerant with milk straight from the cow. Weird how that happens, right? Because isn't it like over 80% of adults are considered to be lactose intolerant to some degree? Something like that, some ridiculous number. Like, yeah, not everybody has a major issue, but somebody, people tend to have gas or something like that associated with it, right? So it's kind of interesting that that seems to go away when you just have milk straight from the cow. And then remember, Sheriff Rogers finally said, You're not going to harass this farmer anymore. He threatened to arrest the uh, the USDA uh, inspectors. Remember that? Those are good times. Good times. Not sure we have any sheriffs in this area who would take a stand like that anymore. Don't get me wrong. I like I like Brad Rogers in his new position, but it's like kind of miss having a sheriff who would go to battle for everybody. Not that there aren't good sheriffs here. I'm just saying. And that's a that's a tough guy to live up to. Brad Rogers, such a good guy. So this ended up being a discussion about. A lot of this, we did a lot of stories today, just a lot of different things kind of came up. And I feel like since we're talking about fascism, we might as well talk about Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. Michigan has elections too, for my Indiana folks. Uh, they, they have elections too, big ones. And if you're going to look at the that whole list of what a fascist government looks like, sure sounded like a Whitmer administration, didn't it? So the Michigan GOP who I have told you repeatedly, I think could be the most detached, poorly run GOP in the entire country. I sincerely mean, I'm talking about the state party, not attacking any counties, okay? The state party's a mess. It is an absolute mess. It has been for a long time. I hope they can change it, um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. I ran into an article here. 
the Michigan GOP could learn something from Andrew Breitbart's unity speech. I'm going to put the unity speech in the Daily Show prep today. If you have not heard Breitbart's unity speech, you need to. It's important. I also don't consider it necessarily universal, but it is 98% of the time applicable to today's politics. Finally, here in the state of Michigan, it is time to get down to business. What business is that, you say? That business would be working to remove the only governor who would dare to dream of trying to beat the horrible eight years that Jennifer Granholm spent as leader of the state. You do have to give Gretchen credit, though, for taking on such a formidable task and in less than four years doing almost as much damage as Granholm did in her eight-year run. I mean, look, COVID gave Whitmer a bit of a leg up, right? If, if Granholm had COVID to use to her advantage, the damage that Granholm would have done to the state of Michigan would have been irreparable. The Michigan GOP finalized their ticket of Tudor Dixon and Shane Hernandez on Saturday at their state convention and are ready to roll. Now, uh, Shane Hernandez is well-liked in conservative circles for being a strong conservative, which, for the record, should quiet some of the yippity-yappity from the Yorkshire Terrier Republicans out there who are the Tudor Dixon not a conservative. Okay, shut up. It doesn't matter. She's not a tyrant. This ridiculous nonsense. I, I'm so tired of these, these weak-mouthed people running around going, she's not good enough. Stop with the purity contest stuff. Okay? If you supported another candidate, that is fine. It's done. Your candidate didn't get through this time. You have Tudor Dixon, who frankly has impressed me more than any other rookie candidate that I think I can remember. And you've got Gretchen Heil Whitler, which is not an exaggeration. I don't use Nazi-esque imagery for everybody. I do for her with good reason. So here's uh, something from the article where Shane Hernandez was announced. Thankfully, the Michigan GOP yesterday, after a bit of rough start at the beginning of their meeting, did the right thing in affirming that a solid conservative should be running with Tudor Dixon against the mess that is the Whitmer administration. Hopefully, this marks the beginning of a campaign that will be challenging the failed policies of the past four years with a vigorous campaign about how we can do better for the next four. I hope. But Whitmer's going to get dirty, and we all know she's going to get dirty, because she's already got Dana Nessel running around threatening everybody who's running on the Republican ticket with felonious crimes. Because that's who they are. Now, in this article, they're kind of going through how GOP in Michigan is it's messed. First of all, people have been yapping about the, the uh, so-called conservatives who really want to take on a lot of the, you know, the old Republican in, in Michigan and things like that, the DeVos family in particular. And we we talked about an article was written by a radio host in Michigan. It's like, yeah, you know, it's okay if you don't like what what Betsy DeVos did to Trump and that she bailed. Um, I, and I told you before, like, I can at least appreciate the strategy behind what she did. I don't approve of it. I don't like it any more than any of you do. 
But this notion that the DeVos family is not Republican or conservative and is not good for Republican or conservative policies, I'm sorry, it's just plain stupid. Because there is only, in my opinion, there's only a Michigan Republican Party because of them. If the DeVos family wasn't involved in politics, where do you think the Michigan Republican Party would be? And I'm not saying they're perfect. They're not. Nobody is. But if there wasn't the DeVos family, where would Michigan Republicans be in that state? A lot worse off than they are now, which is pretty bad. And so, yeah, the DeVos family put their their support behind Tudor Dixon. So, some of you didn't like that. Okay, fine. Some of you see it as swampy. Okay, whatever. But Tudor won. Handily. Not even close. So now you have a choice to make. You can sit there and be a butthurt little crybaby and let Gretchen Whitmer screw up your life for another four years. Or you can back somebody who's probably going to agree with you between 80 and 90% of the time. What do you do? Do we keep playing this game? Do we do we play the game that got us Obama for another four years? Which got us Biden? Do we, do we keep playing that game? But in there, they, they mentioned that, you know, the Republicans yapping about this really need to go back and listen to Breitbart's unity speech. And, yeah, there's some truth to that. You know, Breitbart basically, when he gave his speech, he said, look, here's here's a quote. I'll just give you a quote from part of it. Okay, It's like a 12-minute speech. You need, you need to listen to the entire thing. At one point, he comes out, it's at CPAC, and he goes, you want a unity speech? I'll give you a unity speech. I don't care who our candidate is, and I haven't since the beginning of this. I haven't. Ask not what the candidate can do for you. Ask what you can do for the candidate, and that's what the Tea Party is. We are there to confront them on behalf of our candidate, I will march behind whoever our candidate is, because if we don't, we lose. So this article here is basically saying, look, if you're in Michigan and you're grumbling and complaining, time for you to get behind Tudor Dixon and stop whining about it. Because if you don't, you're going to be stuck with Gretchen Whitmer for four more years. No roads, just more taxes. No freedom, just more tyranny. It's up to you. Good more coming up. 95.3 MNC. All right, we got more in the Banana Republic files, which ended up being the theme of the show today. <clears throat> are we or are we not in a soft Banana Republic right now? It's a good question. Said the article... From American Thinker made some very good points, and we have continued to add to those points throughout the uh, the entire show. Let me give you another example of this. What's been happening in education, right? Nebraskan Democrats have accused Republicans of posting child pornography. Okay, that's interesting. So the Republicans in Nebraska, we apologize for the graphic nature of this tweet. We support Republican values and candidates to protect children, their education, and parental rights. The tweet showcases the hard facts of what materials and books are in Nebraska schools due to Democratic policies and agendas. Okay? So they posted a tweet with images 
from a book that is in school right now in Nebraska. And just as all of the other examples that we have given you, okay, all of the other examples that we have given you over the past couple of years where you have inappropriate material that is being shown to children in public schools, and then when you go to a school board meeting and you try to talk about what's in this material, oh, you get shut off. Why? Because it's inappropriate for public broadcast. Completely ignoring the irony. If it can't be seen by kids at home, it can't be seen by kids in school. If it is something that would get you arrested, if you were doing it or reading it or showcasing it at a 7-Eleven, it would get you arrested, it shouldn't be in the classroom. So they went ahead and they they posted this. <clears throat> and the Nebraska Democratic Party chair, Jane Glebe, actually attacked them for posting child pornography. Huh? <laughs> then you had other members of the Democratic Party. Nebraska GOP has posted child pornography on Twitter. I won't retweet it. It's disgusting. And they, they went ahead and, and uh, mentioned some state senators and representatives who need to condemn this sick public tweet immediately or otherwise. It will be fair to say that each is okay with child pornography. Oh, really? So it's okay to be in the schools and shown to children, but it's not okay to be posted on Twitter, according to the Nebraska Democratic Party. As messed up and useless as the Republican Party in Michigan tends to be, I, I wonder if the Nebraska Democratic Party is in the same boat. Imagine taking this position and not realizing you are walking into a massive trap, because that's what that was. One, the Nebraska GOP got to tell everybody, hey, this is the crap that's in schools. Are you okay with that? And the vast majority of people are going to look at it and go, no. And then you even have the Democratic Party say, hey, this is child pornography. Now what you've done is you have opened up the Republicans in Nebraska to hold every Democrat in Nebraska accountable. Are you okay with what your party says is child pornography being shown to children in school? So here's the deal. We need to ban these things. These aren't allowed to be in schools anymore because even your own party chair and several members of your party have said this is child pornography. And you're on record as saying it's child pornography. Therefore, it must not be allowed in schools because it's child pornography. Right? They walked right into it. Then again, Democrats always walk into traps. That's why it's so fun most of the time to mess with them. If you have Republicans willing to fight. Walk right into it. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. We're going to talk about more Banana Republic stuff coming up. MSC News Time is 5.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. All right, let's continue this Banana Republic stuff. Didn't plan on today being a Banana Republic Monday. Okay, I didn't. Is there something that's banana-like that starts with an M? Maybe not. Could we call it Harambe Monday? Maybe. Rest in peace, Harambe. So this is um, this is just another continuation of the Banana Republic stuff. Gabby Giffords. <clears throat> Gabby Giffords, and you leftists out there. Gabby Giffords, who was shot by a left-wing fan of hers in that horrible accident. They still run around and say, a conservative shot Gabby Giffords. No. Not how that went down. 
Gabby Giffords' gun control group is calling on major credit card companies to flag gun and ammunition purchases. Hmm. Really? Giffords posted a tweet Sunday which said the shooters in at least five mass shootings have stockpiled guns and ammo using credit cards and killed 145 people. Visa, MasterCard, and American Express have the power to flag suspicious purchases and save lives. Call on them to act. Once again, this is a gun control group posting a an idea that doesn't have any practical merit. What is stockpiling? Once again, I've used this against them. They say that if you have 100 rounds of ammo, you're stockpiling ammo. Why does the IRS have the equivalent of about 1,100 rounds per agent? They don't even go to the range all that much. They certainly don't discharge their firearms in the line of duty all that much. So why do they have 1,100? Why are you stockpiling ammo at the IRS? It's not like it's the cops or something. It's the IRS. What do you have 1,100 rounds of ammo per, per agent? Why? What's that about? Well, it's actually 1,100 rounds per gun. So if they have more guns than agents who have guns, then the rounds per agent actually go up dramatically. But again, this is nonsensical. But this is an attempt. This is scary. I want you to understand. I'm going to tie this together here for you in a second. This is scary stuff. You have a gun control group that is advocating for all credit card companies, which includes your debit cards. Okay? So if you have a Visa or MasterCard logo on your debit card, this would be included in that. To flag suspicious purchases. What qualifies as a suspicious firearm purchase? How would you how would you qualify something that's suspicious? The answer to that would be you bought a gun. Or at the very least, you bought a certain type of gun, which must then be flagged. Now, how would you flag the specific type of gun if most of the receipt transactions don't say specifically what you bought? So if you process an order through Visa, it probably won't say a Daniel Defense AR-15, whatever the model is. It'll probably just say uh, Jim's Gun Shop. So you'd have to flag every gun purchase or every purchase at a FFL dealer, right? That would be the only way to do that. So that would be how you get a Visa, MasterCard, and AmeriExpress to flag those things. Now, many of you are like, I'll just use cash. Oh, you think you're going to get around it using cash. Kind of strange how the government's pushing its own digital currency, don't you think? Hmm? And what if the government gets to a point where they mandate the digital currency? Right? I know some of you are going number of the beast stuff, end times. I get it. Let's just set that aside for just, for just a minute, okay? Let's say the government starts to mandate digital currency. They mandate the adoption of digital currency. So you, instead of having physical dollar bills, you now have the digital U.S. dollar. And you're required to use it. And you've got 87,000 new IRS agents enforcing this. And now you're required to use the digital currency for purchases, which the government has complete control over. It's not like Bitcoin. It's centralized, not decentralized. They can control it. They can shut it off. They can take it away. They can issue it. They can do whatever they want because it's the government's currency. Whereas cryptocurrency right now, which is decentralized, government doesn't control that. 
government has to have special court orders to be able to access it. And you can still hide it even after that. So now you've got the government pushing a digital currency. They have increased their operating budget like 90%. I wonder why that might be. Could it be to flag certain types of purchases and figure out who's been making those purchases? Maybe have databases that they're not legally allowed to have? That could be. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, got to tell you about balance of nature. I don't know, man. It's not helping my allergies right now, but it does help when I when I get sick. Once again, just you know, people in the house they get they they tend to they tend to get sick. I tend to you know weather the storm pretty easily, and everybody else it kind of lingers for a couple of days. I'm dealing with allergies today. Uh, hopefully, that won't be a problem in the future. But again, your full daily allotment of fruits and veggies, and you don't have to eat any of them. So if you don't like your fruits and vegetables, you don't want to prepare them, you don't have time to prepare them properly. You want to make sure that the kids get proper nutrition without them fighting you tooth and nail, then Balance of Nature is a great option for you. Go to balanceofnature.com, promo code Laura, L-A-U-R-A, and you get 35% off. Give it a try. Just go through one bottle of each one. Get the fruits and veggies, go through the bottles, see how you feel. I'm willing to bet you're going to have more energy, you're going to have a better immune system, that's for sure. And you're just going to be healthier overall. But most people notice it with the energy. Uh, again, a lot of people in this building use use the fruits and veggies for energy, and it works really well for them. So go give them a try. Balanceofnature.com, promo code Laura. Uh, for those of you who have pre-ordered your AR-15 rosaries, fullautorosary.com is taking those pre-orders right now. I've just been informed by my manufacturer that they are starting the first injection molding tomorrow. So it's moving along, humming along. As soon as I have more pictures, I will send them to you. Uh, just waiting to get them. But uh, the process is moving forward. So fullautorosary.com. We'll see you tomorrow.